Hello, I'm Amanda Hill-Rao with You Choose You Now podcast. During my podcast, I've shared my journey about how I chose myself and came back home to realize my worth, my value, and to get over my limiting beliefs. But I realize as a human being, we're all connected. We're all made for connection. And so I'm delighted to share my first interviews with my guests. People who are in their own journey have found that they have come back to themselves and realized their value, their worth. And I'm delighted to share their journeys with you to see what you can learn. Because after all, we are made to help one another in our awareness. You do you, I do me. But with our connections and our love and our compassion and being, we are built to become who we were meant to be. So I invite you to sit back, relax, listen to the guests, and find out how we are truly all connected. Hello, and welcome to another edition of You Choose You Now. Today, I have an amazing guest called Carrie Spranzi, and she's amazing. And welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. Now, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Well, I am a beautiful Utah girl living in Amsterdam now, and I am a resilience coach helping people let go of overwhelm, get out from under guilt so they can do the damn thing they've always dreamed of doing. I'm an expat. That's I'm a 45-year-old grandma. I'm a cancer survivor. I've been a single mother. I love the outdoors. I am obsessed with drag queens. I love cry laughing. Nature is my therapy. And I, I just am really loving this adventure of living in Europe and living in a place that is older than my country. It's yes. really, it's really cool. It's fascinating to me how many people are living in homes that are older than the United States. There's a yes. bakery around the corner from my in-laws that have been making pies and tarts longer than the state of Utah's even existed. Wow. <laughs> that, that's, you know, that grounds you, doesn't it? Totally. It's just like, wow. Okay. So, you know, it's funny when Europeans, you know, ask me, Oh, what, what is the United States doing? Or what is Trump doing over there? I'm like, okay, listen, you have to think of it like this. We, the United States are like teenagers who are totally rebelling against our parents, Europe, and saying, don't tell us what to do. We know better. We're going to make yeah. it our own way. A chance to mature and experience life. (laughs) Yeah, we're just trying to make our own way. And I'm not saying we're not making a mess of things sometimes, but like that's kind of how I have to look at it. Just but you're you're very grounded and you're connected. I can tell that. Before we spoke, we talked about forgiveness. Why is forgiveness such an important part of life? I feel like for me, I mentioned in, in the intro there that I'm a cancer survivor. So in 2017, I got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And there was a, a, at a certain moment during that journey, the doctors came to me and said, okay, we need to do this surgery to remove this tumor. And mm-hmm. we are not certain you're going to survive it. And I was 41. Yeah. And So get your affairs in order, get your will, all of those things, because you may not wake up from this surgery. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is really 41 years. Like, that's it. That's, that's all I get on this planet. 41 years. I remember thinking 41, like I had one foot in the grave at 41. And then I was sitting at 41 and like, what? I'm so young. What are you talking about? Yeah. 41. I have so much life to live. Right. And for me, it just, and I had just recently gotten divorced from my second husband. And I just, at that moment, I thought, man, if my life is really going to end in the next, you know, two weeks, when this Mm -hmm. surgery happens, if I, if I literally have two weeks left now of my life, what in the hell was I holding on to all of that anger and resentment Mm -hmm. and grudge and, poison, basically, what is it going to, I I might die in two weeks. And then what, how much time did I freaking waste? Yeah, it is wasted energy, isn't it? And yet we're addicted to holding on to it. And just forgiving yourself first, and then forgiving others. It just lets life flow. Totally. And you know, and that, 
forgiving my, I had to forgive myself first. I mean, mm-hmm. the reason why he and I got divorced there, there was a lot of things leading up to, I had an affair, but affairs don't happen for no reason. There's mm-hmm. a lot of space and a lot of small little chips at the armor, if you will, to yes. then an affair finally happening. And I had to own my part of that and give myself forgiveness for my part Yes. In the divorce and then for the affair. And then I also needed to forgive him for how he behaved in his pain and upset and anger. And just because I forgave myself and I forgave him didn't, didn't, and doesn't mean that we are now friends that are hanging out and having beers every Friday night. No, but it releases you. Totally. You become detached. Absolutely. But I think sometimes so many people are afraid that if I forgive, then somehow it makes the behavior okay. No, it's actually and, freeing yourself, isn't it? Yeah. From the yeah. story absolutely. that you've created. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I believe. And that's what I've experienced. And, and it's a lot, it's what I talk about a lot with my clients, you know, because oftentimes when you dig a little deeper, you find out that there is some forgiveness for themselves and or for others that needs to be released so that then there's space for them to go and do the damn thing that they've wanted to do right to live the life they want exactly we've got to clear away we've got to Mm -hmm. as I say sometimes you know you've got to clean up your side of the street before you can start to to park a new car there or plant a new tree there or whatever you've got to make some room yeah they've got to be room for new foundations to be grown exactly yeah so how have you found your joy that you have now I'll be honest and say that there's a part of me that's just sort of inherently happy. Mm-hmm. I think important. we all are. are I th- I we think are we inherently are born too. happy and full of joy, but then through conditioning and life, we forget it. Yeah, I do agree that that's true as well. And fortunately for me, I grew up in a very happy household. And, you know, my father's a very happy guy and sings songs, making popcorn and tells silly jokes. and. We'll just make a joke and laugh about everything. I was fortunate to kind of have that foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that I don't get angry and I don't cry and I don't get pissed off, but I don't stay there. And for me, I think where I have been able to find my joy is in nature. Mm -hmm. by, By getting outside and being in nature, even you and I, before we hit record, we're talking about how it's, you know, fall and winter and cold and don't like to go outside. Even then, you know, going back to my dad, he used to say, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. That's very true. I like that. Yeah. It's like, and living, listen, living in the Netherlands, if I didn't fully embrace that mantra, I'd never leave my apartment starting in like October. Well, kind of all year round, because even in July, we can get 12 degree days with horizontal rain. So it's all about just packing yourselves in the right clothes and going outside and just reminding yourself that the sun is still coming up, that the Mm -hmm. wind is still blowing you know, feeling the air on your face, the rain on your face, the the snow, the sunshine, wherever you are listening to the crunch of the leaves, smelling the flowers, not to be cliche, but like literally smelling them and just reminding yourself that there's a whole lot else going on. In addition to this thing that's making you sad in this period of your life and this cancer and this, you know, breakup and this divorce and this pandemic and this whatever is going on yes that's happening and yes Yes. and creation still going on and you are part of it never forget that yeah Yeah, indeed so what narratives did you have running following your divorces oh man well the first divorce I had I you know my high school boy sweetheart and I got pregnant in our senior year of high school in our last year of high school and ultimately and got married over our Christmas break of our senior year of high school so that was a pretty wild ride and we were I was 17 at the time and then we graduated in June and I had my son by that time I was 18 by the time we were 21 we were divorced and in some ways At the time, the narrative that I was telling myself now, I had mentioned at the start that I'm from Utah and Utah is like Rome, like Rome is to Catholics, Utah is to Mormons, right? And so I had this whole narrative already starting before the divorce of I screwed up, I'm not worthy your life is Mm -hmm. going to be hell from here on out. You broke the rules. You had sex before marriage. 
And now you're divorced and you're only 21. Who's going to love you? You're never going to be happy. Life is always going to be hard. Wow. Yeah. You know, all the things that you see, like teen motherhood, the likelihood that you're going to get a college education and that you're going to be out of poverty is very low. And that, you know, the likelihood that, you know, drugs and alcohol is going to be a problem and crime is going to be a problem. Like there's all these statistics that speak to that. Right. And, yeah. and so I was all caught up in, in those narratives of that. And it took me a long, long time of hustling and busting my ass to prove to myself really that none of that was true. I did end up getting my college education. I did end up having a very successful six-figure job, bought a house in my dream neighborhood in Salt Lake City. My son was an honor student. He just graduated himself with straight A's. He's got a wife and a son now. Life is beautiful. It really, really is beautiful. Yes, it was hard and yes, we struggled, but I I was like, I am not going to I'm not, th- those stories are not going to be true no. about me. And they I, are just stories. Yeah, exactly. And in some ways, those narratives for me served me, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I'm not going to listen to that narrative. I'm not going to make that narrative true. Yes. And it served me for a long time until it didn't, which was when I then decided I was married again at that point. And mm-hmm. Then it was like, instead of running from all the things that I don't want to be, I started to shift towards all the things that I did want to be. And that started to cause a rift because of course I had selected a partner that fit the old me. Yes. And you you outgrew yourself. I outgrew myself. Yes. I outgrew myself and he and I were growing at different rates. He's a wonderful, kind, amazing man. And I'm so grateful that he was in my life because at the time he was who I needed at the time. Yes. And then indeed, like you said, I, I began to outgrow myself and we grew at different rates and we ultimately split apart. But like I did, I did say that I ultimately had an affair, which was sort of like the, the final straw, if you will, that broke us. For a long time, I told myself a narrative of like, here you go again, you're not enough. Like, why do you always screw up good things? You know, you're starting the cycle again, you're starting over again. Now you're 40 instead Mm -hmm. of 20. Now you're 41, not 21. Now you're where you, how are you ever going to find a man? And are you going to be able to find one that, that can keep up with you and that you're not going to take care of? Because if I'm honest with both of my previous husbands, they had been men that sort of, because I had my son already Mm -hmm. having one other person in the house that I was cooking for and cleaning up after and doing laundry for and taking care of was fine. I didn't notice it. It was just like, well, whatever, I'm already doing this for my son. So I'm, I'm fine. And in my mind at the time, I was like, well, this is caring and this is being a loving wife and all of this kind of stuff. But then when my son moved out, I started to be like, whoa, but I'm not your mom and this isn't working for me anymore. Right. And so there were kind of all of these dynamics at play going to, if you find someone else again, you're just going to screw it up again. And all of these kinds of narratives. So that those were, those were the stories that were running through my head Mm -hmm. at that time. And it's amazing how deep the story of I'm not good enough runs. Yeah. And although you grow and you can be positive, some situation hits you and immediately Rather than going, yeah, that's just the situation out there. We go to those narratives. Yeah. So what's changed for you now? What's changed for me now is I do see, and I think cancer was like this hard stop. I, I feel like maybe a lot, many of us, the whole world, so many of us have experienced with this pandemic is this sort of hard stop, this hard mm-hmm. pause that none of us asked for, but we got just the same. And don't get me wrong, it's been hard for so many people and, and hard at varying degrees and, and hard for varying at varying levels. But yes, for me, cancer was one of those things that really put into perspective that those narratives aren't true, mm-hmm. that I do have choice about we always have choice. We always have choice. I have, I don't have choice that cancer is happening to me, but I have choice about how I'm going to wake up every day. Yes. How I'm going to feel when I wake up the things I'm going to do that day, how I'm going to move my body, the people I'm going to let into my life, the energies I'm going to let into my life. You know, I I do actually have a whole lot of control and choice over more than I think I I do. Yes. 
Yeah. And the other thing I think that it did for me was also, I had this rare opportunity to see my impact in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, during, during the year, that same year that I had cancer in 2017, my son's father, my high school sweetheart took his own life. Oh my goodness. And I remember standing at his being at his funeral with my son on one side and my father on the other side. And my father said to me, look around the room. This is standing room only. And I was crying. And I said, and, and this also it's was one month after that surgery where the doctors told me, we don't know that you will survive. So I had faced this prospect that I might survive. And then one month later, I'm standing there looking at my son's father. Right. Wow. And I'm think, and my dad says that to me and, and I looked around the room and I said, it is tragically sad that he did not know how much he was loved. Yes. I got to experience how much I was loved. Mm -hmm. It, It reminded me that I am worthy and that even though I have in my mind run these narratives of I'm not enough and I've totally screwed up, you're not worthy and you're not lovable. And why do you keep making these mistakes? They were not true. No. And I, I got the opportunity to see that. So, you know, that was a huge shift for me to remind mm-hmm. myself that I am not my actions necessarily no. and to take ownership and forgiveness and clean up my side of the street and to always come back to my core, which is kindness, authenticity, choice, mm-hmm. acceptance. Yes. And that's who I am. I think that's who we all are. But sometimes the universe needs to give us a really harsh lesson because we're not willing to listen. Yeah. You know, we're so busy in the doing. We don't actually take time to think, well, who am I? And I mean, our essence, our soul, whatever you want to describe it as, because that's who shows up and that's where love is. Yeah. So I agree. Now you've been through so much. Do you think, as I said, universe have lessons for us. It's necessary to go through so many challenges to be able to come home to yourself and find joy? I do think that it is necessary for us to go through challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's not about comparison, right? Not everyone needs to go through cancer. Not everyone needs to go through divorce. My challenges that, that help the challenges that I've experienced and that me back up a little bit and say that one of the tenets or one of the beliefs of the Mormon religion is that there was a pre-existence. So my soul, I existed with God in heaven before mm-hmm. I came to this earth, and then I will go back and live with him again. And if you sort of subscribe to that idea, then then it's not too far of a stretch to say that then there are some of these experiences in this eternal knowing that I chose. Yes, I, I think we have as souls before we're in this body form, we decide I want to experience this, I want to experience this. But we forget it once we're totally. here. Yes. But then we have co-creations like your husband's, etc., your son that come to show you those lessons and say, hello, this is what you wanted to learn, but we've forgotten it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% degrees, agree. So in the, when my first husband and I got divorced, he ended up dating and ultimately married my cousin. And they were married for like 15 years and had three children. And in the beginning, that was really hard for me because she was like one of my sisters. Mm-hmm. It was super hard. I felt really betrayed. I was so, so super angry. And a girlfriend of mine sent me through this weekend long intensives counseling boot camp a course to help me get through this. And during that, there was this guided meditation session and we were laying on the floor and, and I don't remember what the person, the moderator or whatever was saying, but the vision I remember. And what came to me was I was sitting under this big giant tree on the greenest, freshest grass you could imagine, laying on my belly, kind of kicking my feet. And there was Jesus Christ was sitting with me. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, what is love? And he said, well, I can't tell you that I can only show you that. 
And then a little bit, a little bit of time passed. And I asked him, what is forgiveness? And he said, well, I can't tell you that either. I can only show you that. And at that moment, my ex and my cousin walked over the hill and sat down next to us and said, we will help her learn. And I remember laying there just absolutely sobbing. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I forgave them both. And I was yes. no longer angry or mad at all. And in fact, I wrote them both letters after and we got to the point where it I, I ended up doing a bit of daycare for their firstborn son. Mm-hmm. And it felt more like I was hanging out with my cousin and her husband than my ex and my like the dynamic was just yes. really interesting. So to your point about this co-creation and choosing things before if you subscribe to that, then you, the challenges that are coming up for you in your life, there was a lesson that you asked the universe for, but just accept it. Yeah. (laughs) And this is how, so it's like, it doesn't mean that it feels good. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to like it. It doesn't mean any of those things. You can still be like, this is bullshit. And this seems super unfair. And I don't like what's happening. And this is really hard. And this sucks right now. And What's the lesson that I can learn from this? What can I get from this? And and I'll tell you like this forgiveness lesson, this worthiness lesson, this forgiving myself lesson is a lesson that shows up for me, has shown up for me time and time Mm -hmm. and time again in my life, just in a different package. Yes. I do think I've had similar, mine was shame and guilt that I had to give up, but things do keep coming back to you because we, we have agreed this and I do like this belief. We agreed to learn these lessons. We came here, I think, to learn that I'm worthy and lovable and can make a difference. Mm-hmm. But I've got to get over all my stories, narratives. And mm-hmm. until I'm ready to be open, accepting, and surrender, basically. Yeah. And just go with the flow of life. Exactly. I, I really agree. And one of the things that I really believe is that we we have two cha- choices in life: change or accept. And anything that's happening in our life, you can say, can I change what's happening right now? Yes or no. And if yes, then, okay, what steps do I need? What support Mm -hmm. do I need? What, what tools do I need to make these changes? Right. If it's no, then it goes into the accept bucket Yes, and it doesn't need to stay there necessarily. Sometimes it's just, I, okay, no for now. Yes. No, for this moment. So I can, it goes in the accept column and I can just accept that at this moment for this period of time. It's like this. It's like this. I like that, that simplicity, the clarity of that, because we have a habit at those times to go off in our mind and then we get carried away and it all goes wrong. Yeah, it's like, it's always going to be this way or I just have to figure out how to accept this. I have to figure out how to be okay with this. And it's like, no, not necessarily. You can just be like, okay, for now, I'm going to accept. I'm going to set this aside for now. Yes. And then you can give yourself a time limit. You can give it an expiration date in, in three months, in six months, in three years, in three days, in three hours. Yes. For these next three minutes, <laughs> this is how it is. I'm going to accept it here. And then in three minutes, when I deal with this, I'll come back and readdress. Mm-hmm. And then we're not fighting the resistance, which causes most of our suffering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a practice, right? Practice oh, makes daily, progress. Daily so practice for me. Some days I'm better at it than others. Yeah, and- but that's, as I say, because I went out to lunch with a friend today and she's, I'm really in my human ego today. I went, okay, cool. She's, when, when she's in her higher state, she's loving it. Yeah. But I said, but we came in this form for a reason and yeah. we've got to learn to balance both of them. Yeah, indeed. And I think, if everything was sunshine, glitter, and rainbows, and we were always in our highest self, then what are we doing here? No, exactly. No, then, we then came here for lessons point? to learn and to help others to learn them by our actions and our decisions. I believe that. Yeah, right. And you know, you and I live in climates that are not so sunny. If it was sunny all the time, now don't get me wrong, San Diego is sunny all, it's like has the most perfect climate on the planet, right? But at some point, the people that live in San Diego still get annoyed right with the weather like oh it's hot and oh when is it gonna rain and all of this it's just like we need the variety we need the challenges we need the differences if it never rained we wouldn't appreciate the sunshine and vice versa I was going to say that yes you need to appreciate what you have totally so how is transformation possible because from your story your upbringing how you've lived you are transforming how is it possible for people who think oh I couldn't do that 
I think it's a minute to say, you know, is that to ask the question as Byron Katie says, you know, to ask yourself the question, is that true? Mm. Right. If you fell, if, if you and I were in the English channel right now, and we fell off the boat, if someone said, Hey, you know, you, you're a mile from shore, you need to swim back. You'd be like, I can't swim a mile. But if we fell off the boat a mile from shore, we'd damn well figure out how to swim our asses back to the shore, (laughs) right? Wouldn't we? And so, you know, I jokingly, it's a little bit like, be careful what you wish for, be be careful what you ask for. And there are some times when I say, oh my God, how much worse can this get? And then I go, "Never mind, universe, just kidding. I wasn't (laughs) really asking. It's fine. I'm just Just like, don't listen to me. Yeah, that just popped out. Don't, I do, I really don't need to be shown how worse it can get. I promise I don't. Kind of tongue in cheek saying that. But the thing is, is that we all can transform. Mm. And my transformation is not your transformation. We all have our own journeys and it happens in little micro shifts generally speaking yes some of us like myself have like wham cancer right wham divorce wham pandemic yes but other times and the majority of the time even for me I've had these big sort of demarcations these big forks in my road if you will but along the way I've had all these little twists and turns and all Mm -hmm. these little rememberings and all these tiny little lessons yes that helped me remember that at each and every day, each and every day, I can grow and become a better person. Each and every day I can do better. I can be better. I can be kinder to myself. Mm-hmm. And every time you remember that you grow a little bit, you, do you transform indeed. just a little bit. So often I think we, we put transformation in this, like suddenly I need to be the Buddha or something like that. No, yeah. Yeah. And until I am the Buddha, I have not transformed, then yeah, that seems really impossible and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But if like for the last week, all I've done is yell and get ornery and be short with my children. And today I I really want to change that. And today I was very conscious about it and I didn't yell or get angry or short with my children. It's transformation. Mini transformation right there. Yeah, no, I love that. I love what you said about just to be kind to yourself each day because if you're being kind to yourself, I believe, You'll be kind to others because that's the energy you're in. Yeah. And that's transformational. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I read the other day, emotions are contagious. Be careful what you're spreading. Yes. Because your emotions, uh, or not just your emotions, but your energy, the the state Mm -hmm. you're being in, introduces itself before you even speak. That's right. Yeah. It steps into the room before you do. So. I mentioned at the beginning that I'm a drag queen fan. I, I love, love drag queens. Too. I love drag queens. And there's, there's one in particular, Bob, the drag queen, who in one of the challenges created this handbag and uh, his purse. And he walked onto the stage with the purse was the first thing to appear onto the runway. And so now there's this whole phrase of like, walk into the room purse first. And you could, you know, you could change that into walk into the room with your emotions first, right? Yes. They yes. step into the room first before you do. So, so check it, you know, do yeah. you have everything in check, right? Just before you leave the house, you check your handbag. Do I have my keys, my wallet, my phone, my, all of this, check your emotions. Do I have my kindness, my compassion, my forgiveness, my generosity, Yes. My acceptance. Do I have all those things? Okay. I'm ready to step in. I'm ready I love to step that. out. You know, but that's beautiful. Really lovely. You obviously were a co-parent once you were divorced from your first husband. Can you explain your journey of co-parenting? Oh boy. Yes. I mean, in the beginning, it was very, very hard. And, you know, some of that I think was just in part due to our age mind you, right? We were 18, 19, you know, we were 18 when we became parents. So some of the challenge of that was, was simply because we were young. Yes. And, and frankly, for all the parents listening, I don't care how old you are when you become a parent, none of us know what the hell we're doing. No, it doesn't come with a manual. No, it doesn't come with a manual. And certainly we have our childhood. And there were, there were several things that I loved about my childhood that I was like, I for sure am going to do this, say this, be this, give this to my child. And mm-hmm. there were some other things where I was like, I don't really love that. I'm going to do it differently. Right. Yeah. So, so we changed the narrative. Have, absolutely. We certainly have some guidelines and some examples of, of what we want and what we don't want when it comes to how we want to be as parents. We certainly have that, but none of us know what we're doing. So the co-parenting thing was challenging, I think, because of our age. And co-parenting was also challenging because 
we came from very, very different backgrounds. Okay. You know, I came from a very supportive, happy, loving household. My parents are still together. They just, I'm 45. So they're 46 years together. Lovely. Yeah. And they still act like newlyweds, which is both sweet <laughs> and a lot of pressure, but um, <laughs> they, you know, they're wonderful. Right. Whereas he came from sort of an addictive, abusive household, parents divorce. So we just came from really different backgrounds and we just saw parenting and, and worthiness and success very differently. Mm-hmm. And so in the early days, it was really hard as my, and, and if I'm honest, I, I really had to just put up some boundaries around us, my son and I. Yes. But um, I do think boundaries are important. Yeah, no, they definitely are, but it can be really hard. And there were several times when I was for all intents and purposes, a single mom, like he just was off. He joined the Marines at one point. He moved away to California when we were living in Utah. And, and there just was a lot of times when he just wasn't around. And he, you know, he had his own journey, which obviously I said how it ended. So life was pretty hard for him internally and externally. Yes. Which made co-parenting challenging. There were times when we really got along well and were on the same page. And when we could do that, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the most important thing was, was my son came first. Yes. So uh, like I mentioned boundaries, there were a couple of times when I finally had to say to his father, I cannot, I am not going to subject my son to the disappointment of you changing or canceling plans or just simply not showing up. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to watch that happen anymore. And I'm not going to put my son, I'm not going to put our son through that. No. So from this point forward, if you want to spend time with him, you will ask me. And if it fits into our schedule and what we're doing, then you can. But this every other weekend thing and this Wednesday night thing, that's done because you're not showing up. No, but you communicated it. Yes, you're not showing up and he sits and he waits for you. And then he's disappointed and Mm -hmm. sad when you don't come and he asks why and he asks what he did to have you not show up. And that I am not doing anymore. Mm. That stops right now today. And if you're angry, I don't care. Take me back to court if you need to, Mm -hmm. but this, this, this child is what is most important here. And so this is how things are going to go from here on out. And he was mad. And, you know, for a while, that's exactly how it went. And then, you know, he started to ask and I let him have the time and he showed up consistently. And then we went back to normal. And then by that time, you know, my son was at an age where I was like, okay, at this point now it's your two relationship to work out. And I don't need to be in the middle anymore. No, which is lovely. But I do think it's learned to communicate maturely without the emotion and the narrative and to know what you want, you know, you you wanted the best for your son and that was your priority. And your needs and his needs, the, fa- the father's needs, don't come into it. You've got to, because as parents, we have to provide security, love and safety for our children. And that is paramount to me. Absolutely. And and listen, it was crazy hard. I mean, I, I mentioned that he and my cousin got together and were married. And man, in those early days, it was so hard, right? Sure. I was so mad and I was so hurt. I remember my son coming home from weekends and just being like, oh, it was so fun. We did this and we did that and we didn't and she this and she that and la 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 yeah. And inside every time it was like taking a bullet, it was just like, oh, stabs to my heart. And I would just smile and be like, wow, that's so amazing. I'm so glad you had such a fun time. And then after I put my son to bed, I would scream and cry into a pillow yes. and just say, call them all the names and all of that kind of stuff. But my son has every right to love his father and want to be totally. excited to go yes. over there. And my hurt and pain and anger about has what has got nothing to do with that relationship nothing to do with him. And this and- is where I feel parents and I've seen it being a teacher that they use the children as a tool to play against one another. And that's just not fair. It's not fair. It's terrible. It's absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. And it, it doesn't serve anyone. No, it, it damages doesn't. Everybody, particularly the child, but everyone. Yeah. The things that I, one of the phrases that I say all the time is Jomo, the joy of moving on, right? How do you find the joy of moving on? And in this circumstance, the joy, the way I found the joy of moving on for me was like, you know, her, you know, who she is, and you know, that she takes 
really great care of your child. That's all you could And that for. honestly, you're probably more comfortable with him going with his father for the weekends, knowing she's there than if it was just him alone. Yes. And you know her, the next person, he could have very well chosen some other woman that you have no idea what she's like, Absolutely. no idea who she is. And God knows what kind of damage parenting, you know, whatever is happening. At least you know her and you trust her in terms of your child being safe, protective, loved, cared for. Yes. That's, that's how I found my joy. My, the joy of moving on my Jomo in that situation was like, it could be worse. <laughs> totally. Now, I believe parenting is one of the most important roles in the world. What are your thoughts? I agree. I mean, I think the fact that we as women that, you know, obviously we need men, but like we as humans can create other humans is Mm -hmm. crazy. (laughs) Like that's just mind boggling to me. It's also mind boggling to me how complicated it is and how just one simple chromosome, one simple little protein, one simple letter switch in the DNA and dramatic things happen and how the majority of the time it goes off perfectly, Mm -hmm. right? That's just, that's mind boggling to me. And I think to not understand that type of power that you have created a vessel for another soul to go into, that you have put another person on this planet who is going to walk and have a journey. You remember your journey. I remember my journey to know that I have the power that I have brought another person, another soul onto this planet who's going to have their own journey. And they're in my care for the first 18 ish years of their life. And it's my duty to show them where the, where the poisonous plants are and don't eat those and where the tigers live and where it's a blessing. It's totally a blessing. And it is the hardest freaking job on the planet and the most rewarding job (laughs) on the planet ever. Both together, isn't it? Yeah. All at the same time. Yeah. I mean, all at the same time. And my little son was just the, the craziest, most wild, funny kid ever. And he would do, I, he would do things. I would be so mad at him for whatever he'd done. And then he would say something or do something that would make me laugh so hard. And through laughing, I would be like, just because I am laughing right now does not mean you're not in trouble. I'm laughing now because you've got your finger pointed at me. (laughs) I've got my finger pointed at me. You are still in trouble, even though I'm laughing. This is not okay. What has just happened, but you know, the laughter is a release to get away from the anger yeah. because that's just an emotion. You aren't the emotion. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it was, it is parenting is amazing. My, a lot of my girlfriends, I was such a young mom, right. That, that so many of my girlfriends are, are having their first and second children right now, right. Mm-hmm. In their, in their late thirties and early forties. And they always ask me like, Oh, you've been there. You've done that. How do you do this parenting thing? And I said, you know, the, the two things I say is like, one, I think that as parents, our jobs are really just to be like the bumpers on the bowling alley. You know, when you take yes. the kids bowling for the first time and they pull those up so they don't go into the yes. gutter, that's our job. The, the ball is going to go the direction it's yes, going to go. We're on the side to just yes. kind of be like, nope, you know, a little too far, a little too far, yeah. but then to kind of let them make their just way. Just to keep and- them on their lane because it's not our lane. It's not our lane, but it's just to keep you from totally jumping the lane. That's Mm -hmm. all. That's all that we are here for as parents. And then the other thing I say is be your word. That is the number one most important thing that you can do as a parent is to be your word. If you say, if you do that again, we're leaving, you better leave. And if you don't want to leave, don't make that threat. Make another threat. Yes. If we, if I count to three, one more time, you're going to bed. You put the kid to bed if you count to three. And if you're not willing to listen to him scream for the next two hours because he's pissed off in his room, then make a different threat. Yes. You know, like be your word. It'd be consistent. Yeah. So that they can have trust in you and you actually have trust in yourself. That's right. Yeah. My dad said it a little differently. When I first became a parent, he just said, you know, sweetheart, just remember that a little discipline early on goes a long way. And what he was talking about was being your word, be your word at the things like picking up your toys so that when it becomes serious, coming home at curfew or sex or drugs, Mm -hmm. they know that you are their word, you know, do it practice when the consequences are not that big of a deal so that when the consequences are big deals, 
they respect you, you have, they know you've you already established the relationship already. Absolutely. You're not Absolutely. having to start then. No, I believe that's really important. Yeah. So what tools and supports do you have in your daily life now? A big tool that I use is, is meditation. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I ebb and flow with it. Mm-hmm. And when I fall out of my practice, I notice. Yes. <laughs> I, when I fall out of my practice and I've fallen out for a week or two, I start to be like, God, why does everything just feel harder and like kind of off and messy and all that? Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. haven't meditated. For, yes. Okay. So let's get back to that. Right. So again, this idea of like, you don't have to be the Buddha. And meditation is really just more about like just being mindful and aware of your thoughts. And so that the practice of meditation, what it's done for me is it's, it's create, it's made me more aware so that when I have these uncomfortable emotions or I have these, this negative self-talk, these narratives start running, I, I catch them quicker and I can shift away from them faster. Yes, It's not that it stops them from happening totally. No, but as you say, it's like, because I do it now and it's like I've been awakened mm-hmm. before I had blinkers on my eyes they've gone and I catch the thought I catch the negative thinking and I go aha there you are yep <laughs> not yep. going there thank you very exactly. much <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so meditation some sort of mindfulness some sort of unplugging mm-hmm. you know the busyness I- and the doingness of life Absolutely. And the just sitting and the focusing on my breath and the being still for a moment is really important for me. And then moving my body every day is super important for me. It's uh, sometimes I need to go like just have my ass kicked in a CrossFit class because I really need to get some, some energy out and moving. And other times I just need a walk around the block to feel the breeze, to step outside, to just literally move my body in a different, if I've been sitting at my computer forever and I just feel super stuck and frustrated, get up and move, get up and walk. It's the quickest way to get out of that state, the funk you might be in, Mm -hmm. especially with having us, you know, how we work now stuck at desks. Yeah, exactly. Every half an hour you should get up, even if you just do a little shake about the room. Yeah. Have put on your favorite song, you know, and, and have a dance party. It's like songs nowadays are what three to five minutes max, just crank it up, dance around move your body, shake, and then get back to what you were doing. It's, it's, it's hugely important. So those two things, the meditation and the moving my body. And then I do have a coach, someone mm-hmm. that I can talk to. And then my, my network of friends and my husband, Brene Brown talks about having like your five people on a teeny tiny piece of paper, like pick it, like a gum wrapper, you know, yes. like fight, write your five people, people on it. And those are the five people that deserve your story. You know, your rider dies, you can call them in the middle of the night and they will pick up the phone and having that, those handful of people that I can count on. That's beautiful. It's it's hugely important. Yeah. You have surrendered a lot since the cancer, since your divorces. Why is it important to surrender, move on in life? If I didn't, then I'm just adding pain to myself. You Mm. know, the cancer was happening whether I surrendered to it or not, it was still happening. I could wake up every single day and be angry and pissed off about how tired I was, about how everything tasted like metal, about how sensitive I was to the cold, about the fact that I was shitting into a bag that was taped to my belly, about the fact that I had scars and stitches and staples all over me, the fact that I had poison coming into my body. Like I could have gone and thought about all of that stuff every single day and just been angry and pissed off and miserable at how unfair it was. But instead you surrendered. But instead I surrendered and was like, yeah, this is happening. And I can feel that way, but all it's going to do is make all of that worse. Mm -hmm. I can surrender that that's happening and I can pivot and go, and I have this beautiful garden where a hummingbird comes and visits me every day. So I'm going to go sit out there and say hi to him. Such a shift in perspective. Yeah. The surrender to, okay, this is what's happening. What else? And, and just being able to flow yes. with it and not fight against it made the journey so much easier. It didn't stop it from happening, but it no. made it easier. It changed chemo appointments from awful to actually something that I looked forward to would be is a big word to say, but that I kind of looked forward to because I was like, Oh my God, Amanda's going to sit with me today. And we get to sit and have three hours of one-on-one time 
which is amazing. Which is amazing. And like, oh, I know she loves Mad Lives and I know she loves drag queens. So I'm going to download the season of RuPaul's and we're going to watch it and we're going to laugh together. And I know that, you know, she loves Cadbury. So I'm going to bring her her favorite chocolate and And it was like, it it made, like, I still had to go to chemo. But the surrendering, because I know pain is mandatory, but suffering is a choice. And And we're so addicted to the suffering. Why? Yeah, exactly. You know, what I really coach on myself, as well as my clients is like, where are the glittery bits? Look for the magic, find the magic in the look for the light, look for the light, look for the the unicorns and the rainbows and the hummingbirds and the glitter and the laughing and the, all of the silly absurdity of life, because it is there. Mm -hmm. And if you find it, then in the midst of crying about how unfair what's happening to you is you can find something funny that'll make you laugh and wipe away the tears. And then you pick yourself up and you take the next step just the next step is all you have to take beautiful what influence do you now have as a parent on your son and is your parenting different from the ones you receive from your great parents oh that is a good question my parenting is different in in some ways in some ways it's the same as the parenting I received but in other ways it's different than um, my parents I, you know, it was just my son and I, one of the things I didn't like about my childhood, and I don't know if this is so much my parents per se, or if it's just the religious upbringing, Mm -hmm. but this no, because I said, so I was like, "Mm -hmm, no, (laughs) that, you know, that it never works. It doesn't wash. (laughs) No, I was just like, no, this does not work for me at all. And so when my son would come and ask me questions or, or some, you know, and I had to say, no, I I always told him why, like, no, honey, right now, I'm not able to send you to the summer camp right now, because I just don't have the finances for it. I need to pay for these things. And I didn't like whip out the, you know, the ledger, but you were giving him the information. So he wasn't because a no to a child doesn't mean anything. You were being honest, you were being vulnerable and explain to him the real situation as it is in that moment. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I just, Riley, you know, drinking is the legal age for alcohol is 21. When I was growing up, it was don't have sex before marriage because God says it's wrong. Yes. All right. Well, so then you, and you know, and alcohol, the Mormons don't drink. So it's like, and alcohol goes against the word of wisdom because God said it's wrong. Okay. Well, so then you're a teenager and you're at a party and you're drinking wine coolers, you know, you're like, Oh, this is actually pretty good. This is, this is fun. This tastes good. Like what's the, what's the big deal. Right. And then you meet a cute boy and you her and you start making out and you're like, wow, funny things are happening to my body. And this feels really good. Like why wouldn't what? Yes. And it's not that I was an idiot. You know, I knew that like, sex is how you make babies but like I kind of didn't know and you need to know and parents you need to inform your children I do with my son now he's only 13 mm-hmm. and my husband says he's a bit young I said no you have no idea what they're exposed to what they talk exactly. out in the playground I want my child to be informed so he knows the right decision to make and not right. be influenced by people who might be misinformed Right. Exactly. You know, when it came to those, when it came time to talk about those things with my son, I just was like, listen, you know, sex is great. It's really wonderful. It feels amazing. And it is awesome to have. And there can be lifelong consequences of it. Mm -hmm. Children, of course, being one of them. Children, if you get the woman pregnant, you are that child's father and you will be in her life forever. Yes. And I know at 17, you think, oh, well, she's wonderful and amazing. And I just think she's the cat's meow. Yeah, I thought that too. And you, we change. We I'm do. not the same person that I was at 17. No, right? no, no. Like, and, you know, there's STD, there's sexually transmitted diseases and all of this kind of stuff. And so like, there's, there's big consequences for it, yes. right? So when he started to like date, I knew that was starting to be a thing. I just said, listen, there will be here on the shelf, a bowl of condoms. Mm-hmm. It will always be full. I will yeah. never ask questions. Yes. But you Use were informed them. and that's the most important because once you're informed, you can make the right choices from that. But if you're not informed, it's like stumbling in the dark. Yeah, exactly. And then when my son would leave on a Friday night or whatever to go hang out with friends, I'd be like, okay, have fun. Before you go, do you have a condom? 
Mm-hmm. Be like, mom, it's not going to be that kind of night. I said, I don't care. It's better to have one and not need it than need one and not have one. Do Absolutely. you have one in your wallet? <laughs> he'd like, I, and he'd say, yes. I said, what's the expiration date on it? He'd look and tell me and I'd be like, okay, good. Bye. Have fun. Yeah. See you. Yeah. See you later. You know, yes. like just as easy as that, you know, same with the alcohol. It was just like the legal age is 21. Mm-hmm. If you get caught drinking before 21, you're going to have a juvenile record. There's like consequences. And that's your choice law. because you've informed him and then that's his choice. We just had these conversations that then to the point now that he's an adult and he's married with his own child, we have really open, honest conversations with each other because we respect each other as adults. I, love I don't that. really parent him, him anymore. But well, you don't me. need to. You've no. done the parenting and now yeah. you can watch his own parenting evolve as he brings up his child. Exactly. And, and, you know, when I, when I see him and his wife get frustrated or they talk to me about their frustrations, I'm like, yeah, I know it's really hard. I remember when these were some of the things that I tried that worked for me. Not telling you to do it, just putting it out there, but you make your own decisions. Yeah, I see that. And I remember that being really hard. And this is what, this is what helped me get through Mm -hmm. those frustrations. You can try it. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then that, and I really try hard to not step in too much no we don't need to tell and judge we can have the empathy just to say i i see you i hear you i'm here for you yeah and and i've I've also even as a parent i i make a point to tell my son how proud i am of him and what a great job i think he's doing as a parent lovely i also have asked him over the years i did the best i could with the tools and information and resources that i had Yes. I hope that if there is anything that I've done that has caused you pain and, and angst, that one, you're seeking counseling or coaching or support for that to work mm-hmm. through it. And two, that you talk to me about it. Yes. Because I know I'm not perfect. But I, I love did- that vulnerability of you just to say, because we said earlier, parenting doesn't come with a manual. We don't know how we just do the best as we take on each next step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say, yeah. I, especially now as an adult, if you want to talk to me, I did that before my mom passed and I sorted everything out with her. Oh, yeah. You know, I wish I could have done it earlier, but she wasn't yeah. in that space. Yeah. yeah. But I think growing up now, if we can do that with our children, just be open with no judgment and just that I love you regardless. Yeah. It's beautiful. You know, fortunately, so far, he hasn't come to me with too much. And mm-hmm. you did this. You know, he, no. has, he doesn't have a very long list of grievances with me so far which is great the door open so So how can people connect with you and find out more about you carrie yeah so the the two easiest ways to connect with me i think are are one my website which is carryoncoaching.com spelled like my name k-a-r-e-y so carryoncoaching.com and then you can find me on instagram at carrie spranzi brilliant i've really enjoyed this interview what one final piece of advice, what nugget of gold can you share with our listeners that made a great impact on your life? I think the, the big impact that I've that has made on my life is to remember that life is too freaking short to not find your joy and too damn long to not find your joy. I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're so welcome. It really was a pleasure. Thank you. So find your joy, dance with life, flow with your energy, and don't forget to put your purse out first and make sure it's got all the tools inside. Thank you for listening. Sharing our stories, being vulnerable, being open, being authentic is how we heal ourselves, but also help others. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the guests today and maybe taken away a message they've shared that means something to you. This is your host, Amanda Hill-Ryle. Looking forward to being with you next time.